0: You're listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio with your hosts, Brendan Elliott, Bob Baldessari, Andy Heidorn, and Chris Ray. All right, Love of the Links Radio is back um, with Bobby and Andy, my, my cohorts in this little adventure that we've been taking the last couple of years um and we never know when a season's gonna stop we just kind of all get busy and say oh we'll just when we start back up we'll call it season four or five or whatever is but, it
1: really a season <laughs> yeah
0: I, you know it's just the thing that these podcasters do i don't even know i don't even know if we could call ourselves podcasters but whatever um but there is some stuff in the works that we could be syndicated here starting in 22 22 um, but I'm not gonna really release much on that. We've talked, Andy and Bobby, we talked about that, where we'll get out to a much broader audience. So that's exciting. That's cool. Um, thanks to Andy, we got a really cool guest uh to kick things off for season four, uh, Rob Oppenheim, PGA tour uh player. Um, I wanted to kick off Rob with how I got to know you um or know of you, which was when you were playing at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. Um but uh, maybe I'll let Andy start because you guys go back even further than that. So Andy, why don't, why don't you kick stuff off? How you guys got to know each other? What, uh, what are some things you can talk about maybe in terms of Rob's game when he was a junior golfer? I know you were a three sport athlete uh, in high school. And I read something here that said you were a much better baseball player than you were a golfer back in high school.
2: I, I'm not sure. I played more baseball growing up, but uh once I started playing more golf, it it was uh yeah, I got got better at golf quicker. And I had had more potential to put it that way in golf than baseball.
1: <laughs> well, Rob, thanks a million for coming on with us. We're we're uh, excited to have you on. Um and and yeah, just a little background. I, I knew Rob when he was, I don't know, 14 years old. <laughs> um yeah. we both we both uh kind of played golf at in Indian Ridge in Andover Mass. Um you know i know rob's dad real well and and uh i i basically have, have watched rob grow up into you know a really good amateur player a really good college player and been watching you all the way you know through your professional career and and you know you're you're a, a man of grit and determination and <laughs> it's gonna
2: <laughs> grind hasn't it <laughs>
1: you know what you know what the one thing that that when, when we saw each other in Houston, um, last year, or the year before the year before, um, the one thing that, that kind of hit me hard was you love golf. Um, right. and, and I think, you know, I think you said to me something like, you know, when, when the tours got an off week, you're looking to play golf somewhere else. And <laughs> right. And, well, that's awesome. And, and that's why, you know, you're where you are. And, and I think that that's a, that's, um, you know, certainly a, a great thing to have in your back pocket because I know there's a lot of people that play golf for a living that don't love playing golf. Um, no question. And, yeah, I think that's
2: law, one of the main reasons why I've been able to play as long as I have. And, um, you know, I remember growing up at Indian Ridge like you do. I think growing up there was a very lucky to be growing up, you know, the New England area, Boston, Andover, and, you know, place like Indian Ridge where we both were, were there. And it was – you know, what I love, I'm, you know, now I live here in Winter Park, Florida, and it's it's definitely very different. Raising my, i got two kids, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, so it's definitely I'm just picturing how I grew up and trying to raise them similar ways that my parents did for me, and um, you know, what was so great about there was the seasons. You know, you, you kind of put the clubs away and you, you pick up another sport, you you know, the winter's there, and then you play another sport in the fall or spring, or whatever it is, but you know, here, just these kids specialize in sports so quick, right, and it's yeah. like next to you know, they're playing year-round, and I'm kind of having that, trying to figure out with my kids what sports they're getting into. Uh, they're playing baseball and soccer and this and that. But uh, you know, I used to remember caddying up in the ridge and getting to watch people like you play, and that was kind of some of what <laughs> that silky smooth swing of yours. And that you know, go <laughs> go uh, copy that afterwards. And uh, yeah, it was a great funny. place to to grow up for sure.
0: Yeah, that's very cool, Rob. When when you decided to go to Rollins. um, which you know looking looking at your your history here of, of the career you had your collegiate career would you say that your your run at the US Am at Pebble in 99 or winning helping the team win the division 2 national championship at Rollins was kind of your big launching point which of the two
2: i would say the the first the, the 1999 the US Amateur at Pebble Beach um you know i growing up in boston like i said i didn't really you know, I played a lot of golf, but you know, it was seasonal. And then I finally, after my freshman year at Rollins, I finally played year-round. So I got a full taste of playing, you know, year-round golf. And then that's when I went to the back home that summer. I had some success in some amateur events that I never had, you know, I qualified for the mass amateur, did some things like that. And then for me to just to get in the US amateur was a big deal. I mean, never did anything like that. And then to you know be at Pell Beach and uh you know make it to the round of 16. That kind of gave me confidence, you know, going to the next, um, you know, that next year, my sophomore year to kind of I felt like I, I belonged and I felt like I just gave me a lot of confidence. What was great about that U.S. Amateur, and, and Andy can attest to it, it's, you know, growing up at Indy Ridge, there were two guys in our club that were my age that were way better than me. One guy ended up going to Stanford, one guy went to uh, Northwestern, Dave Schaefer and uh, Ned Yettin. Yep. And yep. they both qualify for that U.S. Amateur as well. So there's three of us from the same club played that U.S. Amateur. And I was by far the, you know, the least qualified as the three of them. So I think that kind of helped me growing up. I was fortunate enough to play at a place where I had friends and I had a lot of, you know, there's a lot of junior golfs there. I had a great junior golf program and there were kids better than me. So I was always trying to get better and, you know, people were beating me all the time. And I think that's, you know, it's great for a kid to kind of have that motivation and, um, you know, it's uh, so very fortunate to have that. But to answer your question, yeah, I think the Pell Beach was the thing that gave me confidence. And then after my senior year, you know, us winning the national championship. What was great about that is there's nothing better than, you know, to win something as a team, you know, golf. So individual, I mean, you kind of try to build your own team, but we, uh, you know, to win the national championship, was, you know, some still to this day, the golf coach is one of my closest friends. Some of the guys on the team are, are really good friends. And, you know, I still help out the program right now it's one of the things I like doing when I come home just kind of play with the college kids and kind of help help them out so um, yeah that was you know like I said we still we still talk about that today and it's you know great memories winning national championship together
0: you know you just you didn't just help the team win the national championship you were player of the year for division two that year too right
2: I made a few plus that year yeah it
0: was a a great (laughs) season yeah
2: and that was kind of it you know I never really you know, it wasn't like I grew up thinking I'm going to play professional golf. I just, uh, you know, I came down to Florida and played somewhere where I could play, and I was at Rollins College, Division Two. And you know, then I started getting better, having some success. Then, you know, we won the national championship. I was Player of the Year. It just kind of came out of nowhere in in my eyes a little bit. So next thing you know, and I love playing, and I was felt like I was getting better. And so the next thing, thought, I, hey, I got to give it a try. So I went to Q School and didn't get my PJ tour or. Back then it was right to the PGA Tour, but I didn't make it to the final stage. And that's where I played the Canadian Tour, played that for, you know, four years. And then finally, you know, I, I grinded the mini tours for a while, but every year I felt like I was getting better. So there's no part of me that ever thought about giving up. But um, it wasn't until 2009 that I finally made it to the final stage. And uh, so that was, I turned pro in 2002. So seven years of kind of the main tours, Monday qualifying, doing all that before I just made to the, you know, the second uh, level tour, the corn Ferry tour. And, um, but I, you know, I think golf, that's what's so great about it. Right. You keep, as long as you feel like you're improving, you're getting better. There's no one to uh, you know, it's are kind of your own boss in a way, but if you yeah. see, you know, you think you can do it and you still have belief and you have support um, you can keep doing it. And now today, to be honest, it's, it's changed the landscape of mini tour golf back then. There are way more tours that were you could stay at home and play, and you know, could actually make some. You could make a decent living. Now it's kind of it's changed a lot where you got to either play Latin America or you got to play the uh, McKenzie Tour, which is up in Canada. And you know, financially, those tours are really tough to to, to keep it going. So yeah, I think you kind of to do what I did for as long as I did. It's it's harder nowadays to do
1: that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I always. Wondered what, what was it with Rollins? Did you have a connection there or was, was it literally, like you said, you were just looking for a place that fit where you could play? Well, my
2: father went there. So that was
1: the first oh, he did. place. It was on the and then there's a couple of guys above me
2: that played baseball that went to Rollins. And so I came to visit them, had a great time. And uh, you know, it was a place where I knew I could play, which, yeah. you know, so check the box. There's a smaller school. I could it was in Florida. I could play there right away. You know, looking back, you know, growing from up in Boston, I didn't really realize that how big college football was. You know, it was all professional sports. Then you get yeah. down here, you realize how big college how college football is. And looking back, you know, it would be kind of fun to kind of missed out on that whole experience. But no regrets going to Rollins. You know, like I said, I still live in Winter Park today. Um, you know, live right here, still help up the team, and it's been a huge part of part of who I am.
1: Yeah, and and you guys were good for a while, right? I mean. Yeah. I think Tim Aquaviva went down there. What? Correct. Three or four years after you.
2: Yeah, it's, you know it's it's Division two, but the whole the conference is great. The Sunshine State Conference, very athletics are strong. I mean, you get a lot of guys from you know foreigners coming over to play who don't really know the difference between Division one or two. They just know they can go play golf in Florida, and um, it's competitive. And I think I can see it now. It's more competitive than when I was even there. It's just you know one through five. There's very deep, and. Um, you know, golf's different than, uh, you know, other sports where you don't have to go to the big powerhouses to kind of go to the next level. You can kind of play division two. And, you know, as long as you keep improving, you can, uh, you can get there.
0: Definitely. You know, Rob, there, your, your path is very similar to a young man that I coached in high school. He was on the team at Bishop Moore high school, uh, Sam Ryder. He, uh, Oh
1: yeah. Grew up in one yeah.
0: park. he, Went to, uh, went to a small school, Stetson University. And, you know, yep. when I think, when I thought back to high school, Sam was a good player, but, you know, nothing really stood out. And then when he went to Stetson, I said, all right, that makes sense. That's a good place for him to go. And then he, he had the same type of journey that you had, where he was on the McKenzie and he, he did a lot of, uh, you know, grinding through those tours and just found his way onto the PGA tour would you, would you have any advice? Cause I, I coach a lot of teams right now that uh, play player just starting to play high school golf. And, you know, some of them are talking about that and they, they know that it's a long shot. You gotta be really, really good. I mean, if you think you're good, you have to be the best of the best players that you play with. So what, what kind of advice would you give to high schoolers, maybe a freshman that's just getting going in high school golf and competitive golf?
2: Yes, first quick, I think Sam just finished top 10 last week in Japan, didn't he? Did yeah, he
0: He was uh, yeah. T7, I believe.
2: T7, good to see. Yeah, Sam's a good guy and good player, and that's good to see. I didn't know you had that connection, but, um, you yeah, know, for the high school kids, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, I'm a believer in, you know, playing golf. I think too many guys get stuck on the range and, and hit balls and try to get too mechanical, especially at that age, I mean, as long as you have, you know, your grip, your fundamentals are somewhat in place, get out and play, you know, get out and play golf, learn how to score, compete. That's why, you know, I played a moonlight event today just to put the ball in the hole and, you know, for advice, I think, you know, hold everything out, you know, learn, don't give, pick up those three footers, post the score. Uh, You know, when someone asks you, you know, I learned quickly at a young age where when someone asks you how you played, they don't want to know all the whole, they don't want to hear you around. Just tell them what you shot. So, you yep. know, learn sure. how to post the score and, uh, you know, don't, don't take any gimmies and just get out there and compete, you know, find guys on your team to have matches, have competitions, get out, have putty matches, just try to get pressure, try to create pressure, you know, whether it's for a, a drink or for a soda or for whatever it may be, but, you know, get the, get the juices flowing, get competition and and play. I think that's, I just, I see too many guys in, at a young age, I think, spending too much time on the range mm-hmm. and working with, uh, you know, I think an instructor is important, but sometimes you can get too caught up. And, um, you know, for instance, I played today in a tournament and I just saw a guy and he had a, a bad lie, you know, uh, the ball was above his feet. He hooks it, pulls it in the water, and then, you know, doesn't get I had a bad lie, doesn't get up and down, had a bad attitude, so he 3 put there and made a mess of the hole. And he could go on the range and think it was all about his swing. But, you know, the lie got him. And this and then his attitude got him. So it's like, you know, work on when you're playing, you're working on your attitude. You, you're working on your body language. You're working on, you know, hitting different shots with different lies. So I think that's where, you know, I like to see kids, you know, play golf, score. And just enjoying it too, right? And enjoy it, no question. And that's where, you know, having people and having friends and having buddies to to compete with, I think is so important. You know, like I said, I grew up in a place where we had a bunch of juniors, a bunch of kids to, you know, what was great is, you know, guys like Andy, we'd be there, we'd caddy for them, and then we'd go. We couldn't play till 3.30, so we'd be sitting there on the putting green, you know, having little putting matches. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's been two hours. We're just hanging out, but we're on the short game having fun, and, you know, we didn't even know it, but we're, you know, that was the best thing for me. I just spent time all afternoon working on my short game, and then we'd go play, and, you know, we, we had a range where, you couldn't even hit it, you know, over about 200 yards. So we never really hit balls. We just chipped and putted. And, uh, you know, so looking back, I didn't even realize that that was a blessing to grow up in a place where there wasn't a great range. You just worked on your short game and we played. And I would, uh, I do, I would recommend that. I think, you know, even do little games where you put yourself in the woods and learn how to, you know, creative and hit shots around trees, just to visualize the shots.
1: Um, just little things like that. But, uh, that's Be careful funny. of spending too much time on the range. It's funny when we were we were talking in Houston, you were saying the same exact thing. You're looking up and down the range, looking at all those guys out there, you know, with their coaches and their track man. And, and you're yeah. like, you know, I'll go, I'll go hit some balls just to figure out how far my wedges are going. But, but that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of the work I do now, just kind of distance control and trying to learn how,
2: you know, really where you are different parts of the country how far the ball is going i mean if you're yeah you you know there's you got to warm up you got to get the certain things up in place but yeah i think you know once you have it go play you know, or go work on your short game
1: so where where are you feeling now like you've been you've been the ultimate like bubble boy i think you you even have a <laughs> reputation of being that right so but where are you feeling like like you need to to kind of get to and and uh just to get over the hump and, and get yourself more comfortably on on the uh, pga tour
2: well i think one you know it's nice to i feel comfortable out there i, I, I truly do and i feel i know the golf courses which yeah. is a it's a big learning curve getting that all down you know what's really tough about the pga tour and you know there's 125 cards every year right the guys that keep their card mm-hmm. and of those 125 there's probably 50 to 75 of them are, those guys are going to – between the events that they play and who they are, they're not going to lose their cards. So you get some of the best players in the world fighting for 50 to 75 cards. And it's just it's, – it's competitive. It's as competitive as I've ever seen it. You know, since I've been playing professional golf, I've noticed the level of play has just gotten better and deeper. You know, cuts are now one or two shots better. Each number, position, or you know, you get the lead. And from the cut line, sometimes it's only six, seven shots difference or so, you know, maybe even five. And um so it's it's there's no question it's competitive, um, but we know what I realized last year on the PGA Tour you have to drive the ball really well. You, you just you can't fake it. You know, there's big golf courses, there's rough, and I've worked so hard on driving it better that you know my strength's always been my short game, my wedge, my putting, and I've driven it better. But even me at my best driving, I'm going to be a you know my best case, I could maybe be a top 100 guy or, you know, one barely in the top 125 in total driving. But, you know, short game, I think I can be a top 50 or top 25 guy. And, you know, when I look at my stats, I'm outside the 100 in my short game. So I really realized that I need to I'm driving it better now. I just need to put some time in my short game. I've been spending a little time the last month. I just nailed down some fundamentals. I wanted to just kind of pick his brain. I mean, that's a guy that had a long career Without
1: well, hitting it very Exactly. Far. Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> I,
2: that's the brain yeah. I pick <laughs> I ever have. And I'm shorter than I ever have as far as relation to the average player on tour. So uh it's just amazing what the guys and you know how speed is such a factor. Everyone's working on swing speed and rotation. You know, the games change as far as you know, how people swing the club now. It's I think when we when I grow people are talking swing smooth and swing easy and hold your you know hold your finish till the ball hits the ground. That's that's way gone. You know, now it's using the ground and and pushing off and swing and, and getting as much clubhead speed as possible. And um, so I'm I'm trying, I'm I'm not going completely there. I, I'm trying to get some of that. I've been doing a little spending a little time in the gym, but for the most part, uh, you gotta play your game.
1: Yeah, you know, I watch I watch you know you can watch through shot link you you play your rounds right and you're getting your driver out there um it's not like you're hitting a 280 i mean you're getting it out there um, i need
2: those i need those firm fast fairways you yeah. know
1: <laughs> i
2: get the low chaser yeah some of these guys carry the balls, so you know there's bunkers 300 that are, they're not even looking at you know that's that's the difference is, is the carry numbers i can get a chase and a rolling but when you get you know, and I can carry it comfortably 275, 280, 285, if I get the, you know, a little help. But for the most part, it's, it's that, you know, that carry number that some of these guys are just taking some of these holes that cutting corners or taking over traps that it's, uh you know, overpowering golf forces sometimes. It is. You still got to
1: putt though, right? You still got to make the putts. No, no question.
3: Hey, Rob, I was going to jump in. Uh, thanks so much for being with us tonight. You know, it's like, a, I grew up two times over from the Ridge and, um, you know, it's like a half a degree separate I so many people the like the Andy's and Mike Bennery's and, and all the guys back home that know you and I know them. And, you know, we just haven't been together, but you were you were following me and Andy in those uh, amateur days back home. And, um, you know, the reputation of the Ridge back home was a competitor's club, player's club. I mean, a lot of action. We could hustlers there. Yeah, it was Well, great. I was going to say there are some unbelievable stories. I don't know. We can we might have to, have <laughs> to take. Uh, uh, all world hall of fame. There could be a a movie about some of the stuff that happened at the Ridge, but, you know, I wanted to go back real quick uh, in, in, you know, the coaching I've done and Brennan went uh, with the um, youth golfers. And, you know, there is something about that, that fine line between the competitiveness uh, being around. And I love what you said about just, Mm -hmm. it, it could be for a Pepsi. It could be for a nickel Just Every time you get a club in your hand, you're being competitive. And the multidimensional aspect of sports, the long term athletic development, playing different sports helps you blend into like the golf and you bring the baseball mentality to golf. You bring For me, it was hockey. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think there's something there that makes a lot of sense. So I know you touched on it, but um, for the parents that are listening, the the parents of Brent and I talked to, it's don't specialize just in the one sport for 12 months. I just don't think that's a good idea.
2: No, I completely agree with you. And I think that's that was the beauty of growing up in New England is you kind of were forced to, you didn't really know any different. That was just kind of what you did. You know, it was this season, all of a sudden you put the clubs away and you go do this or you go do that. And, you know, in, in Florida where I live now, it's, you're able to play all year. So uh, it, it's a challenge. And I mean, I'm seeing it right now, raising my kids, you know, I'm coaching my son's baseball team and you know, I can see that the next level, I mean, these guys are playing four nights a week, practice their games. I mean, it's already at their age at six, seven, eight they're, they're playing sports. And if you don't play it, so I'm kind of trying to figure this out right now, I'm going through it. Um, And, you know, I, I, like you said, I think other sports help each other. You know, I think you learn how to use, create power through baseball, maybe with, with golf, use that footwork. I mean, there's a lot of similarities in all sorts of sports that you can kind of translate to the golf. And then there's the whole burnout factor, right? If if you play too much and then all of a sudden, you know, we talked about Andy said how much I love golf and I'm not sure it's because I I picked it up later, this, that, and I kind of, it came from me. It didn't come from my parents. I, you know, I loved it. I, I kind of, but I didn't know that at a young age, I just kind of loved it. As I got, I, it just got more and more as I started playing, I started enjoying it where sometimes, you know, I've even seen it at college level where kids came and, had a good resume. We're supposed to be some of our best players. And next thing, you know, they, they meet a girl or they, you know, next year they start getting a little social life or they and their life changes. They don't have their, their parents putting the pressure on them and then they're, they're done playing. And so, you know, I think the parents it needs to come from the the person, the kid, I think first. Um, And that's why right now I'm trying to show my kids every sport there is, you know, I'd love for them to play golf, but introduce them to everything and see where what path they choose. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tricky trying to trying, trying to figure out the best path for, for kids.
1: Now, is your daughter playing soccer?
2: She's playing soccer. She just turned nine. And, uh, you know, once again, I mean, soccer, there's these travel soccer. They're going all over the place yeah. doing this and that. And it's fun, but it's amazing, the uh, time commitment. And I'm just not sure if I'm convinced that at that age that the travel and all that stuff is worth the uh, – do you – you get, I mean, she loves it, so I'm not sure, but it's, uh, it's tough. I mean, she wants to be
1: part of these teams, but there are a lot of different, uh, big commitments. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's really tough because essentially some of the kids start looking at it as a, a, you know, something they have to do as opposed to something they want to do Correct. Correct, because the schedules are so packed and there's so much they have to do. And it's like, you know, you have to go to practice. You have to go to a game, and you know, the the lack of that frequency when we were growing up made you like, you know, just dying to get get a baseball practice in or a baseball game in. It's like what well, I think it was.
2: More, what's more is that, I, I don't know. It just seemed like we would just do it with our buddies and we'd go play in the backyard. And you're competing. You're playing, yep. and it yep. it wasn't organized, right? It's just like, hey, let's just go play ball. Let's just go do this, and you just kind of. You're still getting the skills. It's maybe not as structured as that, but you're the skills that's still being learned. And now it's it's all it's very structured, I guess. There's it all organized sports that's that. There's not as much just the playing sports where you just let's just go out and pick up, let's go have, you know, let's get 10 kids to go have a game, whatever it yep.
3: is. Hey Rob, um, you know, I just I just thought of something that I think germane of this. Uh, um, I'm in the I'm over at Hillview Country Club where my dad was ahead pro for 30 years. And it was yep. a Monday and I'll never forget being in that golf shop. And one of the guys that might have, Ross Coon was there from the Ridge. Dick yep. Hansen, Dick Hanski Eddie Whaley, Art Harris, Billy Max, like all these North Shore names that nobody, we, we know the names. So. North Shore Le-
2: Legends to all of us. Yeah, the yes. legendary names. <laughs> exactly.
3: So, and, and I'm in the shop and I'm this young kid. I'm, and my dad's got the guys over to play on a Monday. There's no programs or anything. And one of the guys made a comment that really triggered in my head. And I never reached the heights that you have, but as I was going as an amateur and turning pro, um, I can't remember. It might have been Dick Haskin that said, uh, you know, he played this tournament and he had a bad start, but he had to figure it out during the round. And he rescued himself, like the round. And, you know, it goes to what you were saying earlier that that guy that had the bad lie. You know, if you're standing on the range with a perfect lie in a robotic swing, you don't, you don't. Want to, encounter all those difficulties on the right on the ring on during the round and then how do you make a couple bogeys and get a feel in your swing that you figure it out and all of a sudden you got a decent uh decent score going and there was something about that conversation in that hillview country club golf shop that one day that i thought i had to be perfect to to shoot a perfect score and he didn't well
2: golf's so far from perfect i mean that's that's what's great when i've play with some of the best players in the world and you're expecting them to never miss a shot right and and they hit plenty of bad shots the best guys in the world you know i mean i've seen it and it's it's kind of encouraging like oh wow they they can hit a terrible shot you know they can miss a short putt and you know when you see them on tv and they're leading that's usually when they're at their prime and they're they're playing great but um yeah golf's not perfect and i think sometimes. A lot of times, you know, if you get caught on that range for too long, you're trying to make it perfect and make this perfect swing. And uh, that's just not what's, what happens when you're on the golf course. Yeah, you
0: know, I, that, over, the, over the course of the last couple months, I've mm-hmm. been writing um, articles for PGA.com, and I have this underlying tone of always making sure, I don't care if you're a plus four, playing on tour, or just getting started, making sure that you're having fun with it. And too many of the kids I work with, I got to pull them aside and say, look, this is not life and death. There's things that are way more important than golf. And yeah. if you don't enjoy it now or find a way to enjoy it, even through the rough spots, then you're never going to enjoy it. And, you know, for you being, uh, being a tour player, I, I really would love to get your insight on, you know, I know it's a job granted it's a job that's what you guys do for a living so there's there's that realm of uh seriousness to it but just like some of the things you've said tonight just reinforce what i try to tell these kids you're just looking to tee it up whenever you can you played a moonlight and you're a pga tour player and you played a moonlight tour tonight so you know i'm definitely different than that like there's some guys that
2: that don't really that play they just they they don't they play the PGA tour and then they come home, they practice and they might not touch. They might not even go on the golf course till the, the next week where they teed up where I've just learned through playing. And I just, and I, like you said, I enjoy that. So yeah. it's, it's, I'm not sure I, you know, I've had a struggle as I've been home and, you know, with kids, you know, you're, you don't have all day. I can't go play 36. Now <laughs> it gets a little yeah. different, you know, so time management becomes a little bit of an issue, but um I think different people work differently. And, you know, that's how I've always done it. Um, and, and for me, that's, that's fun. You know, some guys like to put the headphones on and get on the range and, and grind. And that's, you know, for some guys, that's fun. And that's, that's the, their personality. I think I'm maybe more social where I like to um, engage, you know, one of the struggles I've had on the PGA tours when I played with people that don't talk or aren't very social and next, you know, you, it happens all the time where you have a group and, you know, uh, for instance, last year I played uh, the Wyndham. I'm playing with Webb Simpson and Jason Kokrak. know both those guys pretty well and had a great day. And now I'm going to the last round Sunday. I'm leading time for the lead and, or in the foul group. I'm, I'm, I'm one or two back. Woo Kim and the atmosphere of the group completely changed. It went from a light, fun group to now it's very serious, no talk. Mm-hmm and that's where I've learned to lean on you know a caddy a standard bear or you know talk to someone in the crowd or talk to people they're COVID so there's no one in the crowd out there but trying to you know and I look back at that round and I didn't play that great I shot even par and I kind of fell back but I looked back and I was like wow that that group just the atmosphere was so light so fun on on Saturday it went to all business on Sunday and I've really tried to you know make my rounds on tour like I'm playing at home with my buddies and trying to get that as looseness and it's not easy to do. It's hard to kind of duplicate that, but I try to do that. Some other guys that won't work for them. And I think that's part of golf, which is the fun part of golf, you know, I'm, I'm 41. I've been playing golf for over professional golf for 20 years. And I'm still learning the best way to go about it for myself, but <laughs> so, still learning the different tricks, still learning how to, the best way to, I mean, I have a good idea, but the warm up and little, learning little things like that where, you know, you don't learn, that difference unless you were in that situation in that final group to kind of get the feel of wow, this what was different. And then you kind of can can look back and kind of improve that way. That's kind of how I've always done it, where, you know, I improve when I go on the golf course and learn what works out there because too many things work on the range. As we all know, everything kind of yep. everything can work on the range.
3: Don't I know that. <laughs> hey Ron, what's uh, you know, when in your time on tour, do you have a couple of funny Stories or kind of crazy incidents that happen.
2: Um, as far as what, like uh, trying to think. Uh, yeah, let me get back to you on that. Just like like a, a funny. Uh, just, I'll tell you what. This was actually pretty funny. I don't know why this just came to my head where you're thinking, but so back when I first turned professional, they played the uh, one of my good friends, Ben Don. He was works for the Golf Channel and uh you know he so I'm, I'm playing the canadian tour this is right when i turned pro and they used to have us mic for play and so i'm on tv mic for play and he sees me and i forgot to turn my phone off at the time the next year he calls and you can you can hear the phone ringing in my bag and it's over some guy's ball and i run over and it was but it was just kind of little things like that that you know that's where you know, this whole tour with Mike were playing all this stuff, it's 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 dangerous. man. there's a lot going on out there that, that people know as far as, you know, uh, phones or who knows what's going on. But uh, yeah, let me let me think of something that uh, that's that's pretty unique, though, or funny, that's happened. I'm sure there are. There's different. So, go ahead, Andy.
1: No, I got a question for you. Just, you know, because you've been kind of like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Do you do you ever get discouraged? Do you feel like like it's it's getting the best of you, or, or are you still just keep plowing forward and, and trying to to continue to get better? Oh no,
2: yeah, definitely discouraged. I mean, I think you know in two thousand fifteen, I won on the you know I, I finally won on the Corn Fairy Tour. I was gonna get my PGA Tour card, and then I ended up finishing twenty sixth the regular season. And then I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that was just the most heartbreaking. I was that close. Right. But then all of a sudden I got to regroup that next, you know, week cause I'm playing three playoff events to get my tour card again. And then I finished 25th and those, so, you know, you kind of have to be resilient. You kind of have to bounce back. You got to have that short memory and kind of really, um, but you know, yeah, I was, there's no question. I was very disappointed at the end of the year after I didn't get my card back at the playoffs. And um, I've had some time off to kind of reflect a little bit. I've, this is the most time off besides the COVID COVID time I've, I've really had. Yeah. But you know, I think goes back to there's nothing I'd rather do than play golf. You know I mean? I I love doing it. I love playing. Um, You can see guys that at my age or, you know, older that come back and you can tell that when they're not having fun on the golf course or they're kind of burnt out, it's time. You can see them quickly go away from it. And it's, it gets harder, you know, when you're, you know, my kids are now at a certain age where you're missing things at home. So that's where the struggle is more than it's not me, my, my, not love for golf, but it gets hard being on the road and missing things at home. That's, that's, I can see that's getting closer to where it's like, Hey, uh, you know, you're out here in the middle of nowhere and you just missed the cut and your kid's got a game and you're not there and you're, you're out here and it's, that gets tough. Uh, And so, but I, you know, (laughs) I remember when I first turned professional, I'm in Alabama playing a Hooters event. We were just a couple of years into it and a buddy of mine were rooming together. And this is like our second week after about three or four weeks, you know, we got about three or four weeks stretch. And he was like, you know, I'm I'm sick of being here. I'm ready to go home and this, that. And I was all jacked up. I was, you know, ready to play, even though we were in the middle of nowhere, it didn't matter. And he quickly, he stopped playing quickly. And to play professional golf, I guess my point is you got to love the lifestyle. I mean, it's not, it's glamorous. It's, you know, the, the guys at the top, I mean, they're, they're maybe flying private and the travel's easier, but, still they're on the road you you gotta love to you know you gotta love golf you gotta love traveling you gotta love not mind being in hotels or wherever you're at and you know that's the high level but you know the pga tour which it's very different you know the pga tour is where everyone wants to be playing but in some ways everyone kind of has their own team and it's all a little bit more isolated where when I played the game tour, there was six of us. We, you know, three to a room traveling, traveling across country, you know, going to, you know, bars or going to restaurants at night, playing cards, doing whatever. It's, it's more social, even the corn fair for that matter. It it's, it's a little bit more guys are band working together to kind of, kind of cut expenses a little bit or this, that. Um, but the players changed, I think from today to when I first started playing, you know, now guys are, there's not as much let's go hang out let's go grab this restaurant's more guys are going to bed earlier working out in better shape um to hang out and have some drinks afterwards there's not as many guys doing that like like there was back in the day um so it, it's changed but like I said I mean I've had some of the most fun years playing professional golf on the on the Canadian tour even playing for nothing
1: yeah it, it seems I, I would imagine that that it's a lot easier to travel and all that stuff on the PGA tour versus even corn ferry. Right. In terms of, you know, kind of maybe courtesy cars and stuff like that. Um, yeah. The,
2: the courtesy cars is one of the great perks. I mean, you get there, you, you land, you get off the, you get off the plane and there's someone there at the gate ready to give you pretty much a brand new great car. And it's right there and you just get, put your carbs in there and you're, you're off to go work. Some of the worst part, my least favorite part of traveling is when you get off that plane and you got a, you know, a 50 plus pound golf travel bag and the other bag, and you got to get in that little shuttle, take you to, and you're in everyone's way and you got to get to the rental car situation. Then you got to, you know, do all that. That's a tough, uh, you know, when you're playing the corn ferry, it's lost small, different airports that you're going to. And, uh, yeah, the traveling is not easy.
1: It was funny. I, 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 was on a flight a couple of weeks ago and coming back and we landed in Houston at like 1130 at night and i'm tired and i'm standing there waiting for my clubs to come out next to roger clevins <laughs> it's, <like, laughs> yeah. it's like this schlep is right next to me like like being miserable just like i am like, at rocket. midnight yeah. waiting for your damn golf clubs to come out
2: oh uh, yeah i mean that play times where they don't come and you're kind of right yeah there's, oh yeah the travel stores, the war stores of traveling Rob, yeah. what's,
0: what's one of your most memorable moments on tour? Memorable um, no moments on tour. Well, I think that my, my greatest
2: experience was, so uh, Bill Paraki, CEO of Pell Beach, has become a good friend. So when I played the USA Amateur in 99, that's when I first met Bill. And Bill's, uh, he was the CEO there. And he's from Lawrence, which is a neighboring town from Andover. So we kind of became friends and hit it off right away. And, uh, you know, he's been a great friend. And so anytime I went out to Pebble, you know, he was always great to me. And so I'm playing the AT&T, and he's finally – he doesn't play too much golf, but he decides to play. He's going to play with me. And he's, he knows Bill Belichick closely, so he rigged it. So sure. Belichick was going to be in our group. And so that was going to be our force. It was me, Ricky Barnes. His father was a punter for the Patriots, so he was the other, you know, Patriots connection. Uh, bill belichick and uh, bill peraki and so i found that out so i was like in oh, the patriots in the super bowl so i'm gonna be play the at&t's the next week so i was like oh man i gotta go to the super bowl so mike Menery, you know how mike knows everyone so he got us tickets we go to the game and that was when they beat uh it was in houston they beat atlanta that crazy yeah. comeback game so you know at halftime i'm thinking oh my god belichick might not even show up he might not even go to the game <laughs> after after how bad they're getting beat, they come back second half, the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. Then from there, I go to Pell beach, play with Belichick. Wow. And, you know, that was one of my great, I finished eighth that week. It was one of my greatest weeks. And that goes to, you know, I'm there, I'm playing, I'm playing at Pell beach, playing with Belichick. And it was, com- it was very comfortable. You know, if I met him on a football field, I'd be as nervous as going be, but I beat him on a golf course. I feel a little bit more comfortable, but I'm not even thinking about golf the week. I'm, I'm just, trying to pick his brain and talk to him about football with uh, Bill Paraki. I mean, we're having a, having a blast. And then I look up and, you know, I'm close to the lead again. So it's, and that goes to the point, it's my, my, I need to be there. I need to be kind of playing free, playing. I enjoy the pro I enjoy, you know, the, uh, those, those events like that. And um, yeah, so that was, a that was, you know, to, for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, go to that historic game. Then, play Pell Beach with Belichick and Piraki the next week was that was it that was as good as it gets for me
1: that was a good week
0: that <laughs> no,
1: yeah, yeah. was a good week yeah <laughs> yeah Belichick I I know from from other people is much nicer than people think he is
2: <laughs> oh he was great he's great yeah. I mean, he just knows you know there was certain times where if he didn't want to do something he was he it didn't fit his schedule he wasn't going to do it but there are times on the 15th hole there at Pell Beach there's uh kind of a crowd that he was prepared for. They kind of knew he was coming. And I'll tell you what, you had, you know, Wahlberg to, you name it, you know, Murray, pr- uh, that week, Belichick, just, they just won the Super Bowl, he was the biggest celebrity there. They were all going nuts for him everywhere. On Saturday, it was great, but we go up to the 15th hole, and there's a tee box that's kind of hidden way in the back corner behind 14th green. And there's a house on the right, and there's all these, right. you know those people, the 15th hole? I don't know, there's a gold group there and he gets a bunch of footballs on the bag. He's throwing up to those guys and they, they had some connection with those guys, but he's got a fun side to him for sure. And uh, it was, it was a great three days playing with him.
1: That's awesome. I,
0: I, I had a couple questions uh, that I wrote down. Um, you, you definitely are, uh, I would say more of a traditional type uh player in terms of you know just more feel not spending a lot of time on the range but what what do you what is your opinion what are your thoughts on this this fitness movement uh the guys trying to hit like bryson just trying to hit the shit out of the ball as far as i can hit it this bomb and gouge thing i mean what what are your thoughts on that it's the there's
2: no question it's the trend it's yeah. the uh, the way the golf's going right now you know some of the other fads in golf, I you know maybe a stack and tilt or this or that. I think those are kind of gone. I'm not sure this is going to end. You know, I mean, I think no. it's hard to when you got power, it's, you're never going to go, want to go back further, right? So you're always going to want to. I'm not sure. I just think what's going to happen is guys are going to start hitting it straighter with this power. You know, learn how to kind of dial in the equipment, and I think that's the biggest difference. Is you know when I kind of start playing professional you just kind of grabbed the club and grabbed the shaft and just kind of hit it and, and kind of made it work. And now these guys at a young age, you know, in high school or, you know, college for sure are being fit. So they're, they're drivers. They're learning how to launch it really high with low spin and just dial in these shafts and the ball combination. And so they're really dialed in and then add to the fitness, add to the mechanics of, I think people, the new age swing, people learn how to, use, you know, all this technology with these force plates that guys can really see the weight where you're, you're transferring and how to fire and how to create power, really using your lower body and not really using your hands that much. So the face is staying pretty square and for a long time. And I think that's, um, I don't think this is going to end. I think this is the way the game's going. And I think, um, you know, I know the, they're just limiting the driver to now 46 inches, which they might try to do some governors to kind of stop this a little bit, but as far as going backwards, I don't think so. I think this is the way the game's going. And there's guys that are athletic enough and and strong enough to really overpower golf courses.
1: Were were there many people using over 46 inch drivers?
0: can't think.
1: Um, There were, I mean, there are a few for sure. I mean,
2: guys, you know, I'm even using a 45 and a half, you know, so I'm using it longer than I used to. Um, just that extra, you kind of got to fool around with different lengths to kind of feel you don't want to get so big that next, you know, it's changing your swing and you end up kind of coming and doing some loop and then it's affecting your whole golf swing a little bit, but you can gain a little bit of speed and a little bit of a carry with it for sure. And as long as you're not losing the accuracy, it's,
1: it's worth it. I think. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, and I, one, one of the things I love about golf on TV now is, the shot tracer and track man info you know shot tracers
2: makes watching golf so much better right it's
1: so much better i mean it's i don't i don't like i don't like to watch a shot without it anymore
2: (laughs) i'll tell you what's what's crazy is you know with today's equipment and the golf ball not many guys work the ball that much anymore you know i could go you tell me i play with a guy say two of the first two rounds of the tournament, you say, does he hit a draw or fade? And I, you can. I don't, say, I don't really even know. Right. Whereas the only guy and I worked the ball more than most, but the only guy I played with bubble Watson in the last round at the Wyndham and he still, it's amazing yeah. what he does. I mean, if you're out there watching, you want to watch someone play the game. I feel like the way it's mentally played, you got a left pin, you're cutting it in there, the right pin, he's hooking it in there. And you know he was hitting mostly big cuts off every tee shot, but the way he could work a golf ball was just—it was amazing. And not many guys do that anymore. And I think it's hard to move the ball as much, you know, with the drivers and the ball. I mean, you got to really—you know—you want to cut it. You got to do something a little bit different, not just your with your stance or grip. You got to really kind of make a swing to create that cut. And he does it though. It's it's impressive.
3: Hey Rob, you were you know talking about you teed it up in the mini tour. And I mean, you, you you can probably see it. This it's such a fine line between making it on the tour and whatever level on the tour and, and unfortunately not being on the tour. And it's like other sports where the, the the basketball player that never plays on an NBA team, everybody goes, Oh, he stinks. Well, any playground, he's going to, you know, he'd be amazing. And um, I've played some pickup hockey with extent NHL players. And you're just like, my goodness, how good are they? They're just so good. But, you know, I mean, do you see it out there in your travels where you play with some very, very good players and and they have aspirations to join you? I mean, do you give them any advice on, here's what could separate you one or two shots in a 72-hole event, you make the cut or you're down the street?
2: Yeah, well, I think what, first of all, the great things about golf is, you know, it's not like other sports where you have to be, you have to get drafted or someone has to think you're good, right? You just shoot a score and you get to the PGA tour. You go to Q school or you, then you get on the corn ferry. It. it doesn't matter how you do it, what it looks like, who you are, what age you are. If you do it, you'll, you get to the PGA tour. And so I always thought that was one of the things that kind of kept me going. Like if I felt like I was kept getting better, it didn't matter what it looked like or how old I was. And, you know, I, I was 35 years old when I got my PGA first year on PGA tour and, you know, with the Boston Red Sox or New England Patriots, would they, they, there's no chance I'm dra- they're going to draft me, right? Um, there's no chance. So that's what kind of always kept me going. And, and that's why I think it's different with other sports. If if you're good enough, there's so many opportunities, whether it's a Q school, you could go Monday qualify, get in and have a great week there. If you're good enough, I think you'll get there in golf. And if you're not, you probably won't. But like other sports, some guy can maybe say, hey, I just didn't get a, I get a fair chance you'll get a fair chance in golf. That's what I I do love that about it. Um, You know, I think a lot of it comes down to too, is the mental part of the game. A lot of guys, you know, you see that on the main tours guys hit it as good, if not better than a lot of tour players, but they don't have the something about it in their brain or how they, the confidence or, you know, don't love the spotlight when this, when it's on, do they, do they shy away from the moment? I'm not sure what what it is. I'm, you know, you could, you can see it in some people that just love the moment and, and embrace it where some guys are kind of scared of it and golf. It's very evident when you see that in, in people. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's a fine line, but I do love what golf is where I think if you're good enough, you'll get there at some point, one way or the other.
1: And um, that's kind of what's kept me going for as long as that I have. So what's your take on this is, this is kind of a, a taboo subject but some of these guys that just lose their game like lose it like smiley kaufman right you yeah. know and, and there's been several guys i forget who it was a couple of years ago that missed a bunch of cuts in a row then he won a couple of events um big tall kid i, I forget who david it
0: duvall he's a great example
1: yeah I, yeah I mean like like in in your opinion what's going on there
2: yeah i mean i think it's a lot of uh You get some mental demons. You get some mental uh, block where you, you know, it's a lack of confidence for sure. Um, You know, I think people don't realize though also is how hard the golf courses on the PGA Tour. I mean, they're just they're very difficult and very demanding. And when you're off, it's 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 embarrassing sometimes because you don't. It's so hard sometimes. I remember I played Bay Hill last year, uh, the last event before quarantine, and I um, I was on Sunday by myself. I was the last. I made the cut, but I'm the last off. First solo. So I'm playing. And I got friends and family out there watching. And Bay Hill's playing brutally hard. I mean, it's firm fast. And I got people because I live here and I'm I I just want to hide. I mean, it's it's (laughs) I'm I'm shooting, I shot 80 something, and I was like, get me off this golf course, it's impossible. (laughs) And I I think you know, I remember it's funny how I I talked to the Winter Park High School coach a lot and, and some of these guys and they'll go through these stats on the PJ tour where like, you know, from hundred yards, the average guy hits it 15 feet or 16 feet or something like that. And, and he's trying to get his players, which I get, uh, it's a good move to tell your high school players, don't get too upset when you hit it to 20 feet because the average on PJ tour is 15, 60 feet. But what they don't realize is when you're playing on tour, the pin is three from the edge and, and the greens are rock hard and this and that. And so 15 feet, like when I'm playing my home course, usually I'm three feet to about 10 feet, you know, on a, on a hundred yard middle green pin, but on tour, I get out there and guys like, man, you're hitting your wedges all over the place. I'm like, well, it's, it's a little bit more difficult (laughs) with these pins. But I guess the point is, you know, a guy like Smiley, obviously it's a loss of confidence. He gets on situations where, you know, it's very difficult. And then you start, you know, yeah, you start questioning and then, you know, there's no question in a way to get better in a quest to become better, you start working with this guy or you're going on this wrong. He obviously went down a wrong trail of of, of advice and trying to do something that maybe he, his body can't do or this or that. And, you know, I think that's something I've been very careful about not doing is, you know, seeking, I've never gone that, you know, some guys will. Oh, you got to get worse before you get better. And you got to do all this stuff before, if it doesn't, if I, if I can't do it with him pretty quickly, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm out on it. I'm, I'm, I feel like uh, I it needs to make sense. I need to feel and I need to see it and I need to be able to somewhat do it quickly, or I've never been someone to just go rebuild the whole golf swing and, and, and do
1: that. Not but You don't, guys you don't, don't seem, think. you don't seem like that type of player anyway. You know, the one who's going to, going to start, you know, tinkering and, and, yeah. you know, messing around with stuff. I mean, you're more into playing the game and getting most out of, out of, you know, what you can do on the golf course. And I, you know, well, I think, think
2: that can happen to you on tour. There's, you can go there playing one way or, or playing the game away. The way. Then you get there and you see this guy doing this or this guy doing that, or this coach, and he's got all these guys. So I need to kind of do, I must need to do that as well. And then you, you do this and you're like, you're completely lost because you're not who got you there really. And you yeah. kind of, I think that's that's a path and a problem that a lot of guys go down. Yep. and um, it's difficult though because you know you want to get better, right? And so if you're doing the same thing and you're not where you want to be, you gotta you gotta seek out help somewhere or look elsewhere. Or what's this guy doing? And um, it's hard. It's hard to put the blinders on and just kind of go to work and do what you do.
0: Hey Rob, wow. just out of curiosity, where do you where do you play? Uh, you you're a member of Interlocking, or you play?
2: yeah i finally yeah i played interlocking um remember there but i i play at orange tree probably the most with the guys a lot of guys out there that's where if i'm looking for a good game that's where the guys are there yeah Um,
0: double d is a great pro
2: oh he's he's great he used to play the main tours with when i was out there and you know that course is so tight so you can't fake it around there if you're not driving well you'll if you can go hit driver all day on that course and i went out of bounds you've driven it pretty well but they got a lot of guys. Jim Renner, Boston guy, he uh, he's a member out there. Andy Pope, uh, Skip Kendall's out there. Robert Gomez. There's there's a lot of and a lot of mentor guys. So you go there any day, and they have basically the old Bay Hill scratch game, which was the big thing when Palmer was going, is kind of transferred. They got it over there. It's at Orange Street now. And so you know, three days a week, noon. There's a game. You just ABCD player, and everyone puts in a little money, and it's. It's great. It's a lot of fun. And it's, uh, that's, I prefer to do that. I feel like that's where I get the best, you know, bang for when I'm, before I'm going to play, like I'm going to Q school next week for the final stage. I'm going to play all week. I'll, I'll spend very little time on the range. I'll be playing all week and then I'll get there on Monday and just try to get used to the speed of the greens and all that stuff. But for the most part, I'm, I got to get myself in uh, playing mode. <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be playing a lot of golf.
1: Where'd you say Q school was?
2: It's in Savannah, Georgia, uh place called the the Landings. Um I've never been there, never played it, but
3: yeah. I actually played there. It's uh you'll probably shoot better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> there's two courses, right? The Marsh yeah, something, yeah, and
2: then yeah. uh yeah, I haven't I've looked it up a little bit, but um yeah, it's so the top 40 guys get their full stats, and there's probably 156 guys or so there. So um I have stats, I've I've good conditional stats and i'll get the first shuffle but just going there to kind of play something and you know improve my position a little bit so uh, you know i haven't played tournaments since the, that last year so that, over a month for me is a, that's a lot so <laughs> I, I i count the moonlights as tournaments but a four-round event where you got to kind of play it you know all that so it's uh i'm looking forward though i you know i already can feel the the juices flowing a little bit start getting excited <laughs> getting ready to play I, I, yeah, I missed that. I look forward to kind of that that
3: feeling. Hey, we're we can't finish without uh, sidetracking a little in, into our Boston sports. So, <laughs> uh, what's your take on our teams? Uh, well, our Sox, unfortunately, uh, we had a great year, came up a little short, but um, good run, ahead.
2: right? I mean, that, that was pretty unexpected, a little bit from what they you know and Seemed like they were kind of the, the grinding team, right? They didn't have any, they were the grinders, kind of fun team to root for. And then they had that run. I thought they seemed like they had Houston for stretch. And then, you know, who's at the end of the day, they're probably a little better team. But um, Patriots, uh, you know, they're the, best, they're the best three and four team in the league. You know, they, uh, they obviously beat up the Jets pretty good. But they – I went to the game where uh, up with, with Mike Menner, we went up there to watch against Tom Brady in, in Tampa. They could have won that game. They could have beat uh, Dallas, which is another good team. So they they're trending in the right direction. I think their quarterback, they're, you know, he, Jones looks good. He's a perfect Belichick quarterback. So uh, I'm I, I feel bad. I'm not a huge hockey guy, so I don't I don't know the Bruins. I don't follow them too close. You could probably give me an update on, on how how's their how they look. They alright.
3: I think they're, they they uh, they look good. Uh, I think we'll have a solid year. If the goaltending is the question, as usual.
2: Yeah, and the, the Celtics look. I watched them play last night. Actually, they they beat up on Houston, which was good. Yeah. So, uh, love they Boston sports. I've already brainwashed my kids that they're Boston fans. You know, Florida <laughs> right. kids that are keeping the Boston Boston fan base alive in Florida.
1: What a boy. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Rob, we, we really appreciate you being on with us and kicking off this uh, fourth season, however long that may last. Um, but we, we do have some some good guests coming up. Dottie Pepper is going to be with us in a couple weeks. and um, But having you kicking this off, especially with the Boston connection, I feel like the odd hey, with, one out up here.
2: You got to talk to Dottie Pepper. She she made me look bad. So <laughs> um, I'm playing the last – in the Wyndham, I'm playing the last 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 round final group. And I go in my my bag to grab a ball marker and she's standing right next to me. This is right by the first tee and a a pencil was sticking straight up. And I just, you know, went right in my fingernail, kind of jabbed my fingernail and I just, you know, I kind of swore and kind of was like, ah, geez, you know, and I was bleeding for a little bit, but you know, it was like a 10 second pain. I guess she goes on air and she's like, yeah, Rob, you know, he he acted like he could barely go today because I stabbed with a pencil. And so I got so much, he's like, text message like man a pencil you're not gonna play the phone around because pencil stab. i was like i just it, took, it was 10 seconds i said ouch and that was it was done with it but she kind of made it seem like uh, my hand got cut off
1: so note, t- uh, note taken
2: <laughs> yeah i don't know if she might not even remember it but you know if she does yeah give her you know give me a little support there
0: yeah bobby there's your funny story but we do have to ask her about that when we talk to her yeah <laughs> Well, that, that's our first edition of season four. Uh, thanks to you, Rob, for coming on. Uh, my co host, Bobby and Andy, love having you guys on here with us the last couple of years. Uh, we'll record this and, or we'll uh, edit this and get this out to all the places you consume your podcast. and we'll have the video version on all the social media for Love of the Links. So, again, thank you, Rob, Bob, Andy, everybody. Have a great night. All right, guys. All right thanks, guys. Good day, Rob. You guys. Thanks, no Rob.
1: Thanks for listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram,
2: and YouTube. Our website is littlelinksers.com backslash love. You can email us at loveofthelinks at gmail.com.